I'm Ross Fraser, one of the writers of Going, Going, Gone, and you're listening to the He's the Voice podcast. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And the winner is... And Mr. John Farnham. John Farnham. John Farnham. John Farnham. John Farnham. Sir John Farnham for Whistling Jack. But I, most of all, would like to thank my manager and very close friend, Glenn Wheatley. He put his money where my mouth is, and I thank him very much for that. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you very much indeed. Hi everyone, welcome back to the He's The Voice podcast, the podcast that explores the history-making album Whispering Jack from Australia's music icon, John Farnham. I'm Nigel Landis, and again, I'm joined today by my mate, my co-host, Adam Stolfo. G'day, Adam. How are you? Really good, thanks, mate. Mate and co-host. I do like that, Nigel. That's like, you know, a dual role that I'm happy to be a part of. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Today's a good episode. Uh, here we are to explore track five of the album going going gone absolutely going going gone i'm actually quite excited mate we've actually reached the midpoint of the album can you believe it it seems to have been months and months of work but we've got there <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and um hearkening back to the days of vinyl records this is the last track on side one before we flip over and turn on to side two so yeah, and it's a unique song nige in regards to the fact that it was actually written by three people who were obviously integral members of the making of this album that being Ross Fraser, David Hirschfelder, and of course, the man himself, John Farnham. I really, really like this song, Nige. I mean, like, you know, it's not that, you know, it's not that extravagant and it, it doesn't really stand out as like, you know, anything of note on the album as a whole. Did I think that the three guys did a really good job here? It's never really been a stayer in, you know, John's repertoire or anything like that. And we will get into that when we talk about live versions. But what they have done here is create like a really nice you know, poppy tune, mainly in the chorus. The chorus is very, very catchy. It's an interesting song. I agree with you that it's actually quite catchy in regards yeah. to its tune. And the thing that really stands out to me in that department is um, those brass stabs from the oh. Fairlight. They just, they just absolutely carry this song um, and the momentum that it has. It certainly creates the momentum and it just propels it from the time the song starts right through to its completion. But I have to say, this song has always left me a little bit confused. Yeah. Perhaps. About because what it's about? Or? It just never made sense to me what it was this song is actually about. Oh, yeah. Actually, you can actually split the chorus and the verses as well, though, Nige. Like, the chorus 
can be taken quite generally and like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. This song is about not missing an opportunity, you know? But you're right though, the verses are very like, what's that all about? <laughs> you know? So yeah, so I have to say that in listening to this song, it's not ever really made sense to me as to what was the message they were trying to convey. Right. And yes, you can extrapolate components out of the song. Like you can grab a lyric here and a lyric there and go, that makes sense. But can you follow the narrative? And for this song, I would have to say, no, I gave up on that a long time ago. Yeah. And do you still feel that way? No, because we've had conversations that are going to yeah. be part of this episode yeah. that have actually brought some clarity to what the motivations were behind the writing of this song. And I'm really looking forward to hearing okay. them again. Yeah. Um, but did any of that help or, or change your interpretation of the song? Yeah, or? it influences how I view the song or how I hear the song when I listen to it now. For the yes. better or worse? Um, it actually brings it into focus. I understand what they're talking about. Okay. Yep. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, the lyrics that have made sense to me and influenced what I've taken out of this song um, has been the part of the chorus where it talks about going, going, gone, the pressure's on, don't wait too long before you're too far gone. Yep. And... Uh, since the album was released and right up to the point before doing these interviews, I've always viewed this song as if it was a touchstone back to Pressure Down mm. and the narrative that just it feeds into that there was a lot of pressure on them to get it right with Whispering Jack. Yeah, well, I think the lyric right there, Nige, uh, the pressure's on, pretty much sums that up nicely as well. And as you said earlier, you know, the whole thing of the sentiment and, and that's where you can pick specific lyrics, the thing of don't wait too long before you're too far gone. Mm -hmm. It's all, it, There's very much that thing of, you know, carpe diem, seize the day, take an opportunity when it presents. So, and in this case, it was perhaps make the opportunity while we can. Um, Which sums so, yeah. up the album really really nicely yeah yeah and so it folds back into that narrative about how no one was particularly supportive of john you know as far as an industry is concerned there wasn't the support there no one really cared about what he was working on no one was prepared to give it you know any credibility or or the opportunity of airtime initially all of those struggles that they faced while they were creating the album and then trying to um, promote the album once they had it. To me, this song sort of just tapped back into that narrative. So we had pressure down, but then we also had the song like You're the Voice and then Reasons, which were really buoyant and uplifting. But this was almost like don't forget the fact that this album was a bit of a struggle. So I had always taken that out of this song. To me, that's what this song was expressing, that, yes, it's a great album, but it's still touching back on the fact of it was so risky for them. It's interesting with this song as well, isn't it, Nige, that, uh, you know, being the co-write of the three guys as well, I actually found it quite amusing. You know how they've got their nine songs, right? And they had how many thousands sent to them as well? 
it's just amusing to me that they had like you know you're the voice and eight other very very strong songs and they were like none of the other thousands are really meeting the criteria so we're going to write our own you know what i mean yeah i've I've thought that as well like seriously if it comes down to the fact that they felt there was a need to be writing material because there didn't seem to be anything to fit yeah I've always thought, what what else was in that box yeah. <laughs> that that really didn't make the grade or just wasn't fitting into what becomes the narrative of the album? But for me, one of the things that's always been of interest is what else was in that box mm. that that fascinates me to know what was in that box, those thousand tapes, whether it was six hundred or a thousand, yeah. um, but the content that didn't seem to really align with what they were thinking and what they were working towards. But this song did. And uh, I think, you know, you know, for whatever the decisions were made at that point, uh, this was a good choice because I think that this is a good song on the album. I think that it has yeah. its place. Yeah, yeah. It might and be it... like on the lesser side of like, you know, like, you know, some of your favourites on the album, but like, you know, I think that it's a, it's a worthy album track. Let's put it that way. And um, one of the interesting things about Going, Going, Gone, and I'm absolutely bewildered as to why they elected to do it, was on the American release, they actually took this track and made it track 10 on the album. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so we've spoken in other episodes about the continuity of the album, to listen to it as a whole. Every song is placed on an album for a reason in the order that it's placed there, you know. There were decisions around what song follows what song, you know. And so the whole idea that not only did they remix some of those songs for that American album, but they reordered the track listing. But then to also take this track and decide that it should be track 10 instead of track 5, just to me there's no rhyme or reason to that decision at all. It does wreck the flow of the album as well because this is a very, like, you know, upbeat pop number you know, with that really, really poppy chorus. And it it's not the last song on an album. Like, as in, it just it just abruptly finishes. And if you look at Whispering Jack as a whole, the last two tracks, we've got a ballad and then a very, very dark electronic song, which is a good sort of like, you know, footnote to the album. Mm. On this release, it does that, but then you hear going, going, gone. <laughs> it's like, no, no, that's just wrong. That doesn't work for me. So the American album really... The best way I can sum it up is they thought a really good idea would be let's tear this album apart and then let's just lump it back together and then see how we go. And it's a wonder why Whispering Jack didn't make its mark in America when that's the product that they put out. It's not a surprise. So, Every, I think it's a bit of a running theme here on this show as well, Nige, that, uh, you yeah. know, like uh, if we bring up the American release, it's something disappointing about it. <laughs> I don't know if we've got much positivity to say about it other than maybe the, you know, the fact that it still is the album in some form or another, you know. I don't mm. think we've had much else good to say about it, but that's that's quite telling to me. It's almost the best bootleg there is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well said, well said. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah. So let's do the uh, musician credits uh, up next, Nige. Uh, so we start off with uh, Whispering Jack himself on vocals. A very reverbed John Farnham here as well in this song. Yeah, yeah. Intentional. In a good way, you think? Yeah, yeah. I like how it sounds. I mean, you know. Uh, David Hirschfelder on keyboards and Fairlight. Brett Garset on guitars. This is interesting, Nige. Programming. 
everyone. Yeah. <laughs> like the way that on like uh, One Step Away, we had the lot of us as well. Yeah. They just decided this time, nah, everybody. Exactly. It's another example of where everybody gets to have a go. Indeed. And the unique thing with this song, something called The Kit. All right. And we've got six names here. <laughs> we've got Jack, Dave, Brett, Wendy, Ross, and Des. So the kit, because I'd always thought about it. I was like, what are they referring to, right? Well, we've got a little bit of an exclusive here on the He's The Voice podcast, because mm-hmm. since releasing early episodes of the He's The Voice show, yep. we got contacted by this Wendy who's there in the list here on the Whispering Jack album, who seems very, very nostalgic and also very amused that in some little minuscule way, she has participated in the making of this remarkable Australian album. (laughs) So we're talking here about Wendy Hayes. But after releasing an earlier episode of our show, Nige, she got in touch saying that, uh, that, you know, she appreciates that we're delving into the Whispering Jack album. She says, I'm actually on the album at the start of the song, Going, Going, Gone. Not sure if you know, but it's people's voices at the beginning of the song. She says, and this is another callback to a, a, a discussion earlier in the show as well, Nige. She says, it was interesting being in the studio because she was dating Brett Garcet at the time. Uh-huh. Rocking up to John's the first time with his girlfriend and with his tape deck. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's it. She says, I remember the day we went to John's when we did the pub tour prior to the album. There's a thank you to the kit on the Going, Going, Gone credits. I'm the Wendy mentioned on it. So she clarified who she was. Did you ask her about what is it that they say at the beginning of Going, Going, Gone? I said, I just wanted to ask if you had any tidbits or rare info on your memories or experiences. And mm-hmm. she said that, you know, she was more than happy to participate, but it was such a long time ago, she didn't really have anything that was shareable, <laughs> right? We've heard that from almost every guest that we've actually It's another running to. theme, isn't it? That's funny. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's funny. She said that everyone involved at the studio was wonderful and, and fun and that John treated us all as equals. Another thing that we've heard many, many times. Yeah. You know? And I asked her about the first four seconds of this song. <laughs> I said, can you remember what was said, coherent or not? She goes, it's so long ago, I can't remember the actual conversation. I recall David wanting to record my sneeze once. I have a very little sneeze. Actually sounds a bit like a a hi-hat. She goes, yeah, it was my four seconds of fame. The family joke is, I cannot sing in tune. Really dreadful singer. Kind of like a goat piddling on a tin. Uh, (laughs) But I'm on a very very well-known album. (laughs) So... Good on her. Yeah, good on her. So she, so I said, so you're saying nothing in particular in that first four seconds. All of you in the kit just sounds like, like, you know, like sounds. And she goes, yes, it was very well done and a bit tricky. Pretty sure the snare is someone saying snare. From that conversation, I always thought that this was gobbledygook, that this was just like, uh, like a, a bunch of people making sounds. And it sounds like that I was right, (laughs) you know, and I can't really, you know, hear Wendy in there in specific, but like, you know, from what she said, it sounds like that they just really cobbled together like, you know, elements of people's, people's voices. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had that just in the last week, I've had this song playing quite loud in the car while I've been driving just so that I can actually concentrate on that first four seconds. 
And to me, my takeaway has been that it that it actually sounds like step back, step back. And I don't know. That's what I get out of it. Yep. I, 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 and you've always heard that. Yeah. And just I think if you get 10 people to listen to that and you ask them what their opinion is, I think you could get 10 different answers. Well, why don't we start by asking the uh, He's the Voice audience about what they've always thought, you know, from the first four seconds of going, going, gone. The comedian Peter Kay, he does a great segment where to his audience, he says, uh, you know, um, listen to this. And then he plays a piece of music and then he says it sounds like this. And of course you can hear it when someone suggests what they can hear. Then when you listen to the music, you can hear what it is they've suggested. Yeah. When you told me that you thought it was step by step, Right, mm. I heard step by step by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas I've yeah, listened yeah. to it this week, and to me, it sounds like step back, step back. And if you listen to that right now, you probably would hear step back, yeah. step back. And that's what I mean about that power of suggestion. And unfortunately, it's a bit of a we're asking people to tell us, but we've just discussed what it is, and they're probably going to hear what we've just discussed. So, yeah. but anyway. I'm yeah, interested. Yeah, yeah. I can remember always hearing uh, just someone going jigger, 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 like that, right? And then the, someone else or another uh, <laughs> part of the mix going, hmm, huh? 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 Like, like, as in, like, just sort of like this, like, grunting noise of sorts, you know? Yeah. So, yep. yeah. I don't think you, you'll find any other platform, Nige, where you'll delve into the first four seconds of going, going, gone in as much detail as we just have. So. <laughs> But the kit, the kit, uh, Nige. So obviously John himself, Hirschfelder, Brett Garsed, um, Ross Fraser, and then Wendy. As yeah. we go, right? Wendy Hayes here. And and then the mysterious Des, who we have no idea who that is. No, but, um, no. Des, if you're um, out there in the, in the uh, you know, the podcast world, uh, be sure to send us a message for sure. And also, um, thank you very much to Wendy for actually reaching out and getting in touch. Oh, 100%. Thanks again, yeah. Wendy. All right, Adam, I think we should get underway and listen to our interviews. And as people would be aware, we actually were able to talk to both David and Ross about the writing of Going, Going, Gone. Well, look, Going, Going, Gone was one of those songs where we had nine songs and we needed one more and we felt we had a really strong album. So we just thought, let's just, you know, the pressure's off us now. We've got all this, this fantastic collection and, you know, Let Me Out was amazing and John gets to, you know assert himself as a songwriter so um let's let's have a crack at writing a song together so ross and john and i did that and that's how we came up with going going gone we tossed around the lyrics and we were inspired by um you know a bit flippantly by uh, ronald reagan as like come on man like you know let's let's get a new president not that we're american citizens or have no right to have a view on american politics but we just you know, we just, I guess, looked at looked at that idea of in going going on uh, how you have someone in a position of power who has very high fame and uh, you know visibility, but is there any substance there in in many cases with politicians? So I guess it was a political statement. You know, unfortunately for Ronald Reagan, it was directed at him without actually being explicit about it. Um, but he was inspiring us to explore this idea of uh, the vacuous nature of politics and, and fame and uh, going, going on, you know, the pressure's on. So we were sort of like, you know, it was a, a bit connected to the pressure down sort of idea too. 
you know, don't wait too long till you're too far gone. So maybe also, um, actually, someone else sort of pointed out uh, recently, uh, I did an interview a while ago, that perhaps it was also John singing to himself, don't wait too long till you're too far gone. Yeah. I never thought of it like that. But, you know, it probably is. But again, we, we just, you know, on a creative level, had fun with these ideas, being a little bit flippant, a little bit um, disrespectful, a bit cheeky to famous people. And also uh, it gave me a chance to uh, really, you know, go a bit nuts with this sort of... Uh, crazy bass line and this brass line which sort of I was a huge fan of Earth, Wind and Fire and, and Tower of Power horns so uh, I thought well we've uh, we've got this incredible collection of brass samples we've found Ross found them actually and so I sort of reconfigured them into sort of you know I played them in a sort of you know horn arrangement that I like hearing on Earth, Wind and Fire records and stuff like that and again this juxtaposition of that with the heavy metal guitar and john's voice which is unique gave it this sort of weird quality which well look we were just having fun we didn't know we were doing anything trying to do anything groundbreaking we were just having fun incredibly high energy song and that those brass arrangements when you took that into the live space for the tours as well david um i i get so much energy uh in the solo in that song um after the second chorus when the brass is just joined with brett's guitar and they're just jamming like you know and and like uh you can just feel the energy of the show it's just yeah really underrated because it's it's not a song that you know john has performed that much other than when he's made reference to whispering jack so so when when we have heard it i've always like you know really appreciated it it is a it might be a song that gets lost on the album a little bit you know but um but yeah not not amongst fans it doesn't that's for sure Oh, I, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, we, we had fun doing it. Um, it's it sort of, I think that song possibly was uh, behind the idea of getting a brass section to tour the band when, when we suddenly got money and we were out of pubs and we we're on, on large arenas. Suddenly we've got well, this big stage. Hey, um, and Ross said, we've got to get a brass section. And he's found, he found the Brasters in Sydney uh, who are marketing themselves as a brass section to play in bands on bigger shows so that was the start of that and they where they ended up touring the world with the band you know we were all over europe and um and the uk when we went there so i think there was a great addition and you know so i ended up writing uh, coming up with new brass parts well we all did like they did too the brass players john himself we all sort of tried to utilize them as much throughout the show as possible was mm-hmm. there ever a demo done for going going gone david yeah, well, the the demo we did was sort of morphed into the final track. Mm. So um, really, we demoed the song, but when the, uh, you know everyone heard it and Wheat, Wheatley heard it, and he said, "Man, that's good. That's really good. That's going on the album. No worries." So um, we've, there's our ten tracks. So yeah, that was it. It sort of got st- snuck straight in. It sort of skipped the demo. I think the demo was the demo slash pre-production for the album mm-hmm. um, and it was all done in John's garage at the same time he had an eight track recorder so we would record he, he would record vocals and background vocals so he like he workshopped a lot of the background vocals on his own by layering them and then later on decided which ones he wanted to have different singers and, and expand on the harmonies and stuff 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all songs were demoed. You know, all, every Whispering Jack song was demoed in that garage before. Uh, but a lot of the elements, because they were electronic, we were able to just dump them onto tape and, and overdub to them in the studio. We had nine tracks and we, we kind of thought, well, we probably should do ten because that's what most bands do, do ten tracks, but we haven't got it. So John and Hershey and I sat there and said, well, let's write, let's write a song, which we did. And uh, I don't remember how we got the lyrics. I really don't remember. I mean, one of us would have started it. I, I wish I could tell you, but the three of us wrote the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the music, it's got Hershey in it again, but I think it's got bread in it. We needed a song, and so we sat down and thought, let's, let's record a song, let's write a song. And then you sit there for 10 minutes, and you go, I've got an idea, you know. There's a line, and then Hershey goes, there's another line, and John goes, well, there's two lines. So that's how it's written. It's, to this day, that's how people write songs. Um, we've learnt the difference between um, writers as far as the lyrics and then other people can be responsible for writing the music. So um, did you have any input into writing the music for the song or were you one of the contributors just for the lyrical um, no, no, component? No, no. We, we, the three of us did that as well, recording. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then Going, Going, Gone was the B-side track to the single of You're the Voice. <laughs> The highest selling single in 1987. Mm. We're interested to know what's the flow on effect of having the B-side track. Did you get recognized in any awards or anything as far as the stats associated with the highest selling single? No. None. It doesn't get get any appreciation at all. It's pretty cool that 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 is the song that was on the B-side of that single though. Yeah. Yeah, because it would have given a lot of exposure to it, uh, and probably helped. Yeah, it probably could have helped with the uh, album and then, like its um, its sales. You never know. When you say that, we probably did do it for that to put it on to make more money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. I did look at it. I did look at it and think it was very curious that the song that these guys have co-wrote is the B side. You know, I wondered whether there was any deliberate intention of that, uh, but but um, you know, it's. It was, it was just interesting to me, for, and rightfully, You're the Voice has the awards and the recognition, uh, well and truly well-deserved, but I just wondered whether there was any flow-on effect to that to whomever is contained on the B-side or whether it's just simply the ability to say that we had the B-side to uh, You're the Voice. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's that simple, that we, you know, we had to write a song, so we'll do it ourselves and... As you said, put on a B side because the writers are good. We'll get some money. Yeah. Can you recall any inspirations that influenced going, going, gone at all, Ross? Like it sounds like with the lyrics, it does sound like it, there might have been some uh, pressure, like on the process. I saw that. Yeah, no, no. Let, let's just let's just go to the lyrics. Let me find that. I need a magnifying glass to read the ones on the uh, album cover these days. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier Same to thing. Google them. Things have changed since we met you. Start to see your point of view. It's not the same. We've been sold out. Don't you know what it's all about? Go on, go on, go on. Don't wait too long. You can't hold on. So, so you, you, we've seen how they run your world. You're just a name, just a flag unfurled. What they say is what you do, but who are they to answer to? 
Now, it seems that we did not know what it means when we let go. Although we try to understand, now's the time to show your hand. <laughs> if I know. <laughs> the only thing... It's so, pretty obscure. Now, so we've seen how they run your world. Uh, you're just a name, just a flag unfurled. That feels like John's kicking back on someone. Hmm. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I can't remember. What they say is what you do, but who are they to answer to? No. Fair enough. The point is, Ross, is that it, uh, it's actually quite a you know boppy little pop tune, and, and oh, it, it, it ages very well. It's <laughs> definitely a pop tune, and it should be track ten. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go, Nige, David, and Ross giving their yeah. insights and backstory to going, going, gone. Very interesting. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, they're always great to listen to. And, you know, Ross, what a character, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> the tenth song on the album, as he put it. Doesn't know what they were writing about. <laughs> exactly. But did you have any, like, you know, any other thoughts post those interviews compared to what you thought about the song beforehand, Nige, Or I never really uh, read that into the song or what motivated the writing of it. Yeah. But it'll change how I listen to the song moving forward. I look forward to listening to it and having uh, that information on board. The political angle did surprise me a little bit, i got to say. And I wonder if that dates the song or whether that is still applicable if we think of who the political leaders are today and whether that yeah. song has any relevance yeah. applied to the current political state. Yeah, Donald Trump going, going, gone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And the next one. And the next one. And the next one. So, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Hey, um, Adam, why don't we pick up with some of our other guests and have a listen to what they've got to say about going, going, gone. And um, we'll start by uh, listening to Angus and we'll follow him up with Brett, followed by Chong, something from Gaynor, and, of course, we'll round out with Lindsay. Let's do it. Oh, yes, yes. Yep. God, I've forgotten about that too. Um. Yeah, a, a really good pop song, isn't it? You know, once again, it ticks all the boxes. I do remember, it might have been the Jack's Back or one of those early tours, they actually got a choreographer in and the band had to learn choreography for that song. Luckily for me, I was behind the drums. I just got to watch. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually a really small snippet of footage of uh, of the guy, you know, like Brett and David and uh, maybe Wayne Nelson or something. Like, you, you are all... Or moving along like you're absolutely right like i think there's a very small bit of footage on a documentary from the era of um everyone uh, dancing along to going going gone yeah <laughs> hilarious it was really funny because to dancers we are not not, not anyone <laughs> in the band um, especially not david <laughs> <laughs> he'll kill me for saying that but it's true you know it was just it was very very funny from my position i could see you know i could see oh. all the yeah i could see the carnage yeah, look, Gus, that would just, just be unfair if David was an amazing dancer. I mean, he's a genius anyway. He can't have it all. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> what he wanted. Double dipping. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just remember, yeah, I remember doing the track, and I, I really dug it. Like, we just had a lot of fun recording it because the gloves were off for that one because uh, they didn't have a pre-existing demo to work from. They just worked on it from mm -hmm. scratch, and that's what appeared. It's such high and, energy. Yeah, it is high energy, and uh, yeah. that, that really incredible horn line that's in the middle of it i think they were sort of inspired by stuff like susudio and things like that that mm. were happening at the time with that really great sort of i don't know it was the 
Memphis Horns or whoever it was that was doing all that incredible stuff. But uh, uh, they wanted to go for something like that. And, and then in the middle, they said, yeah, just rip a solo. So I did. Yeah, I loved it. I just thought it was a bit low in the mix. I thought they could have. I think because the solo is happening at the same time as the horn part, and they decided Which... to have the, the, the really staccato horn part that's happening over the top of the solo. Sadly, I think they thought that was more interesting than my guitar solo. So I guess I, I lost. So uh, No, oh the well. live version has a really good like mix of like both and it really hits the... I, I agree with you on the album version, but the live version like, you know, has high energy and the guitar plays a huge part in that. There's no doubt about that. Dark yeah. Cool. yeah go. Going, going, gone, the approach was the same as One Step. It, it's pretty well a similar song with the pop, 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 you know, and all the, the, all the effects and stuff. Because there's no point playing the song and playing like a band, but you got to get the sounds right and the all that stuff. And and I, I recreated. I had a lot of fun. I, I loved doing that song too. There's a lot yeah. of synthesized brass again, Chong, in that one. That you, that That's you right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there's synthesized brass and synthesized brass. So I tried to copy him. And, and I even went scoured the, the, the internet to look through Fairlight sounds and all that. And I, I'm, I'm sure even David Hirschfeld has forgotten what he's done. You, you know, it's, it's quite a task. Yeah. That was actually yeah. a song that, uh, that John and David wrote really late in the process yeah. for that album as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I also liked it with that performance that you did of it as well. I also liked the way that you actually played the very aggressive first three or four seconds of the song, you know, like how it's got that. I don't know if you remember, it's got yeah. that like, yeah. like it's like, like really, and, yeah. then, and then it slows down when it gets into the main melody. Yeah. And, and that kind of thing, you, you know, Angus would play it live, but I, I augment them with the sounds and and the effects and and to to get that effect you got to do a little bit of trickery you, you you know it's it's still played by angus but the trickery makes it sound like the record and you you know when you mix a record you you got tons of time and money and and equipment to make those kind of sounds live you got no chance so i prepare them inside the tracks so so that it sounds like that you, you know, like I, when I listen to a song, I, I listen to say, well, what, what part of it really is exciting? And I'll try to recreate that. And hence that you, you picked it, Adam. You, you know, that was a, a great bit. Um, I'm glad they got one on the album. That was really good, isn't it? <laughs> 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 and uh, gone, gone, gone. I, I'm sure that resonated the three of them sitting out there going, we're, 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 we don't, we're going, going, gone. We are yeah. gone. And we're going so um <laughs> yeah three that's, ways. In, that's interesting i never actually thought about that with the all these years with the with the name of that song but like it's probably is very reflective of how they were feeling at the time yeah yeah i bet yeah sitting in the garage out at doncaster going now what do we do you know david yeah. left, left um lrb2 yeah ross was trying to you know hit his straps as a producer and and john was really having a crack so totally. 
I was just going to say, you couldn't get more 80s than this one. Oh, yes. No, it was never one of my favourites. Yep, fair enough too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess I guess that because I was a child of the 60s, not of the 80s, mm. I was a bit more circumspect about some of these these songs. I, ne- I always enjoyed seeing it, you know, that, that I, and I, I never felt any hesitation or, or reticence about it. I don't, I don't ever remember ever singing or feeling like, I didn't want to just give my whole being into what it was that I was doing. Do you remember um, what it was about it, and you were sort of like, "Oh no, it's not. It's not amazing, or it's like, you know, it's not up there with the better ones." It's I'm just trying to think how it goes. You're going, going, going. Don't wait too long. I know the <laughs> chorus goes, "Jesus, <laughs> that, that's easy, Adam." <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, things have changed. I can't even read the lyrics because I need Where to magnify you them. come from? That's the one. No, 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 da, no. Da, da, da. That's, that, that's one step away. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. See, there you, you know, go. The one, that, the one that goes, um, well, things have changed since we met you. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Going on, gone. Don't wait too long. Yeah, lightweight. Yeah, lightweight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much it, Nige. Filler. In regards to the live versions of this song, Nige, we don't, like with the, our One Step Away episode a couple of weeks back, there's not a huge amount to work with. We really do only have one full performance of Going, Going, Gone to this day. And that's from the Whispering Jack concert, where it was actually the third song on the set. So, Nige, do you think that Going, Going, Gone worked well in the live space? Uh, yeah, of course I do. Um, following on from Pressure Down and then One Step Away to then have Going, Going, Gone, like, they are three songs that are high energy. Very much so. You know, we talked about the fact that um, One Step Away was uh, really upbeat and pop mm-hmm. orientated. Yep. This song really just flows on from that. Yeah. But, you know, as far as momentum, um, it certainly just kept that momentum going. And if I remember rightly, Going, Going, Gone pretty much finished and certainly how the, the VHS represents it is that it, they pretty much just moved straight into this song. It's one of the few times it appears that John didn't stop and have a conversation between two songs. They just literally stopped one, had a breath, and then moved straight into this. Yep. So it really was just keep it going. And it works for that. It works so well. But you notice with that version, Nige, that we have, you notice that the you know the, the now infamous uh, first four seconds aren't part of it? They actually don't include yeah, yeah. that at all. They just move um, into the main melody. And that is, again, it's something that I like. The difference between having an album version and um, the fact that it is a live version. And, of course, there's going to be differences in the live space. But those simple choices as far as the arrangement just help bring it to the fact that you're not listening to somebody who's lip syncing and playing the backing tracks while they're trying to perform. Yep. And certainly in the era that Whispering Jack was around, and with artists, there was a lot in the 80s come early 90s about um, the integrity of artists' performance and whether they were actually singing the music that they were being associated with. The Milli Vanilli um, mm. example being the most prominent example of that. But then lip syncing and miming and all of that became a real big issue um, you know, even the mid-90s to late-90s, I guess. So, yeah, um, what the Whispering Jack concert demonstrates is forget all of that. Sure, there's programming that supports 
the performance, but it's certainly not the performance. Yeah. Going, going, mm. gone was then uh, performed in the Jack's Back tour later in the same year, no, 1987. Mm-hmm. However, it had a new position, which was really interesting to us. It was an encore. It was right down the end of the set, Nige, after, like, you know, some of the big ones, like Plain to Win, You're the Voice. (laughs) It's like, yeah, crazy, huh? It was. And if I remember rightly, um, that Access All Areas documentary that's associated with the Jack's Back Tour, it shows a small snippet of Going, Going, Gone, doesn't it? seconds? Yeah, yeah. And um... And they're doing the infamous dance. That's right. So um, I know that Gus, when we spoke to Gus, he made mention of the, the choreographed dancing. And I know that we did actually speak to a couple of other people about that too. But um, yeah, Gus had some funny comments about uh, what it was like to, from his position. And um, certainly that footage from that Access All Areas shows that. We also know that Going, Going, Gone actually carried across to the Age of Reason era. It was actually the second song on the set in the now famous dark set. Hmm. Um, But that's it for a very long time. Like a lot of the songs on Whispering Jack, that's where it sort of ended for them until 2011, as (laughs) something else that we mention a lot on this show, 2011 in Whispering Jack 25. And this brings me, Nige, at this stage to, because this is the last time that we heard the song as well in the 2011 tour, This brings me to just a main point that I want to bring up here with Going, Going, Gone Live, Mm -hmm. which is that I actually believe that this is a very, very difficult song to perform live. And I think it may have contributed. I mean, also, you know, might not be one of the, like, you know, the ones that they hold in the highest regard as well. But I also think that it's one of the reasons why it hasn't been performed live that much at all. I actually think that this song is actually really, really difficult to perform. And in watching John closely, and I, you know, I've seen him perform a lot over the years, even in his heyday, his prime, 1987, this is a tough song to sing. And I put that down to the high energy and just the uh, the reverbed chorus as well, Nigel. I think this is a very mm-hmm. programmed song. And so yeah. I think that when they took it into the live space in the two different eras, we've obviously got the Whispering Jack era and then we've got the Whispering Jack 25 era, right? Um, yep. I think that it's very, very good. And John can, you know, John can sing anything. It sounds great. Like I really, really like the live version that we have and some of the little snippets that we've got from the other performances. But... I think it's tough. I think you can see the strain in singing this song. And this was only reinforced back to me with the Whispering Jack 25 tour because John gave the chorus mainly to the backing singers in that tour. I can remember seeing it in 2011 and noticing that John was improvising and not singing the chorus in full. Um, Yeah, Uh, well... That's what you take out of it. And, and I can appreciate that perspective of it. Yeah. Whereas I look at it and sort of go, um, probably the it's arranged in a way so that everybody's got a role to play. Yeah. So, yeah. and yeah, sure. I can appreciate that it would be getting more difficult as John got older and, you know, trying to maintain the range that is there to perform the song because he's made it quite clear that if he can't sing it the way that it was originally performed and, um, you know, he doesn't want to be dropping the key and he doesn't Mm. want to be altering the songs to accommodate 
So if he can't perform them in earnest, then he would prefer not perform them. So that would make this song quite a challenge to continue to perform. Well, it is but, very high, as you've said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I can appreciate that. But then I also think, you know, part of the offloading some of it to the backing vocalists, let's say, is so that if they're not doing that, what are they doing? And they can't just be standing on stage in silence because they don't have much to do in this song. So yeah. I think I think part of it is the redistribution so that everybody's got things to be doing so that it becomes a holistic performance. I understand exactly what you're saying. And, and in regards to the live space in particular as well, like I, I get that. It's just, you know, I, I've watched John perform like in different parts of his career and, you know, over the different eras very, very closely. And there's so much consistency. It's really quite staggering, you know, about yeah. the high level of consistency is what I'm talking about here. Like, yeah, the, yeah. You know, and so when something like this happens, you know, like when in the 1987 performance, I noticed that like it's a difficult song, it seems, to, to sing live. Yeah, then, I agree. And then in 2011, 24 or 25 years later, to actually then realise, oh, I could have, you know, I could have been onto something, <laughs> you know, because it seems that he's given a lot more to the backing singers than, than I remember from all those mm. years before. I remember thinking about it, like as in like, you know, I think this is a tough song to sing. And I also think as well, you know, every time that a new album is released, there's new material. Yep. And let's say that a concert consists of 25 songs. I haven't. If you're lucky, I have, yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't counted them, but let's normally say normally closer to 20. 20, even 20. Yeah. Okay. So if we're gonna, if we've got 20 spots to fill, and we've got a new album out that's going to take up at least four of those spots, then something else that previously was performed has to give, you know. So I think just through that sort of attrition as well, um, you know, natural attrition, this song would have been on the chopping board pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's time to wrap up. And before we do, we'll just remind our listeners that we can be found on the social platforms being Facebook, YouTube, we're on Instagram and also X. And on those platforms, you'd be looking for HTV Podcast or the He's the Voice Podcast. That's it. That's the one. And then to finish off, as we do with all our episodes, we're going to listen to the live recording of Going, Going, Gone. Oh, yes. And uh, keeping in line with all our other episodes, we're going to use that 1987 uh, performance from the Whispering Jack concert as it was filmed at the Melbourne and Sports Entertainment Centre. Good stuff, Nige. Very, very high-energy version, this one. Yeah. So, thanks very much. It's been good chatting again, Adam. Always, mate. And, yeah, we've reached the end of side one. That's it. Ready to flip the vinyl over. Or, <laughs> if you had the cassette, you'd be popping the cassette out. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good stuff, Nige. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll speak to you next time. Yeah. Have a good one. See you around. He's the voice, guys. Thank you. This one's called Going, Going, 